This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode 52 with guest Randy Buckley. Any resources or links you hear in this podcast can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash five two. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host. The girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey, ass kickers, excited to bring you today's guest on boundaries. But before I introduce her, I wanted to talk to you about what is going on coming up on June 1st. So the Kick-Ass Courage Project 7-Day Challenge is coming again. I did it back in February and it was amazing. Over 2,000 women went through the program. It's free. It's seven days to learn how to manage your inner critic and stop talking shit to yourself. It's about learning how to cultivate self-kindness and self-compassion. Who doesn't need that, right? And it's free and it's seven days. And it's going to be full of women that are just like you. So it's easier than ever to sign up if you just text the word courage, C-O-U-R-A-G-E, to 66866, you are automatically signed up. You have to confirm with your email because I need to know that in order to send you all of the awesome worksheets that we do go over in the seven days. Just text the word courage to 66866. You will be signed up and you will get an email with all the details and you get your very first worksheet on June 1st. It goes June 1st through the 7th. The Kick-Ass Courage Project 7-Day Challenge. It's amazing. Can't wait to have you there. I'll stop singing. Okay. So on to the interview with Randy Buckley. I love talking to this woman because she is all about boundaries which, again, who doesn't need help with that? So let me introduce her real quick. Randy Buckley has been described by those closest to her as equal parts Pema Chodron, Sophia Loren, and Clint Eastwood with a splash of George Carlin. She's a life coach, hard truth talker, love that, and the creator of products that encourage women to begin to step into their truths and begin transforming their inner and interpersonal struggles. She is the mama to the lovely Maybe Baby program. So without further ado, here is Randy. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to episode 52 with my special guest, Randy Buckley, and you guys already heard about her. I'm very excited to get started today. I was I was telling Randy before we started recording that I have never talked about boundaries with y'all before, so I'm excited to have somebody who's who's the um, expert of all experts, right, Randy? Sure, I like that. <laughs> Capital E. Capital there you go. E. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump in. And I'm I am just ecstatic to get started on this because I'm sure I am going to learn about this too. I think we're all sort of in process here and excited to learn more about boundaries. So let's actually start from the beginning. Let's go for it. As boundaries, I mean it's like a it's like a big self-help word. You know, it gets thrown around a lot there in yes. the in the personal development world. And so it might be new to many of my listeners. So can you take us from the beginning and talk to us like what boundaries really are, as well as let us know when someone would know if they need to work on them? Oh, that's a really good question. Okay. So my take on boundaries is actually a little bit different than I have found the conventional take. And that is um, primarily because I identify with kind people. 
<laughs> and okay. even those who aren't necessarily kind. Well, my audience is total assholes, so we should probably just start. To- <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> They're nice. Ass kickers actually need boundaries uh, so that they can yes. continue to kick ass. So that's really good to have. No, my, so, my listeners are uh, kind people. Good. Uh, yes, absolutely. It's about boundaries are largely about what what you're told to keep out of your life. Um, people, the people who don't fit in, keep them out. The things you don't want to do, keep out. Well, that's really hard in practice to have all sorts of things out of your life that are regular parts of your life. And so, I believe that boundaries are a container for all the things you want to have in your life. Okay. And so as opposed to this view of keeping things out, it's about really cultivating, kind of doing some personal interior design on what you want to have in and the structure for that. Hmm. Okay. And so that looks different in different contexts. Um, but that's the, for me, that's really kind of the bottom line of what that is. And it, when it comes to talking about people, I think boundaries for having our personal boundaries, essentially becomes a owner's manual that we offer other people <laughs> to yet. get the best version of us. Mm-hmm. So if, um, you know, it, that really then gives people permission to assert your boundaries and, and to, well, to even have any at all. So mm-hmm. people just really don't have any. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really, yeah. really tough. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that would mean to answer the second part of my question that everybody needs help with boundaries. <laughs> everybody needs boundaries. Yeah, everybody needs boundaries. Um, we all have different degrees of what we're good at with them. And I think the people in my sense is, my intuitive sense is that ass kickers uh-huh. um, and your people in particular need to, I, I had thought and then I looked outside, sorry. Um, <laughs> In particular, they it's okay to have them. Mm-hmm. And, I, okay, this was it. Often when people assert their boundaries, they don't know what to do or say. Yes. And so they become somebody they don't want to be, and then they feel bad about that. Absolutely. And, and I yeah. think um, it actually reminds me of... I, I do a lot of the work from the research of Dr. Brene Brown, and I'm, I'm certified in her work. And mm-hmm. one of the things that that is in that process, it's called The Daring Way, and... Mm-hmm. She refers to the whole thing is wrapped in metaphor, which is sure. so easy for people to understand, for everyone to understand. Mm-hmm. One of the things that she, I'll give you an example. One of the things that we learn in there is that when we have been uh, shamed by someone, so if someone, we, we feel shame for whatever reason, whether someone does it on purpose or on accident, mm-hmm. that she calls them shame shields. And we yeah. bring out one of these shame shields, and it might either be we um, move against shame and she that's really like fighting shame with shame, right. um, throwing shame back at somebody. So if somebody, for, I'll give you an example, like um, if this actually happened to a client of mine, she was um, hosting her toddler daughter's birthday party and forgot something big, like the birthday cake or something like that, completely spaced it to pick it up or something. And her own mother said, what kind of mother are you in like, front of everybody? And so she could have, and this is actually probably what I would have done, is uh-huh. thrown something back at her. Like, well, like in front of everyone, well, let's not talk about how, what a great mom you were when I was growing up right, or, right. you know, another shield <laughs> is to people please. Mm-hmm. And then the other shield would be to completely isolate and, um, you know, move away and not, not talk to anybody. So that's, that's what came up for me when, when you were talking about 
figuring out like how to am i on the right track or am i just like making stuff up that makes no sense yeah no absolutely it's a great and that was actually a really great example (laughs) so so if somebody so what came up too was i i feel like if somebody um my people i think it depends on on you know who's listening and I think that kind people is what you were saying is a lot of us tend to people please. And I think you're very right in saying it depends on the context. It depends on who they're around. Sure. So I would say that that's like probably good to know, like what your triggers are and who they are. It's huge. And and since I've been working um, with lots of people around boundaries and, and doing research, but then also really kind of figuring out how this works for me, what I have come to believe is that we sometimes struggle with boundaries ultimately because we don't want to risk somebody not loving us. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the, the example of the, um, the mom making the oh so charming remark about the birthday cake, mm-hmm. you know, it would be easy to, I like how you said throw shame because it sounds like throw shade. Um, <laughs> Monkey <laughs> shit. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or, and, or not risk, or not risk um, somebody not liking us um, and, and doing nothing and letting them just walk on it and walk all over you and mm-hmm. walk in the situation and take it. And it doesn't mean necessarily that the person, on, you know, we might sit next to on the bus who decides to sit with his legs wide open and we only have three quarters of a seat, you know, that we're worried about him not loving us. But going back to some of those earlier um childhood, primal, younger instincts of wanting to be cared for and wanting to be loved. So, yes. And I think whenever we feel like we're asserting boundaries, we risk that to some degree. And that's at risk if we say anything. So for a lot of people, instead of saying anything, they will just do nothing. Mm-hmm. I think too, I mean, well, do you think that people look at setting boundaries? And I think this is sort of what you were pointing to in the beginning. I might just be articulating it differently is that setting boundaries is having a fierce throwdown with um, whomever and, and making them wrong for whatever they're saying, whatever they're doing, however they're behaving. And so uh, that seems like that's not the case. That is not <laughs> what boundaries are about. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be. I mean, okay. I think for some people, if they particularly, if you know, it's a, for some people, that's personality. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of people don't feel like they have the words or know how to handle a situation, and so that sometimes a pendulum. They think they have to do what they've seen. Okay. For, for a lot of people, oh. they feel like what they've seen is somebody be a real asshole uh-huh. with asserting boundaries or really shame other people, and they just don't want to do that because that type of boundary does not feel kind. And for somebody who really identifies with kind or sensitive, that's going to be really tricky to do something that doesn't feel kind or sensitive. You'll mm-hmm. rather, you'd much rather suck it up. I find that, uh, I find that a lot of people really love having sort of like a script or <laughs> template to Absolutely. follow. Do you provide that in, in your classes and for the people that you work with? I do. I call it a cocktail line. And <laughs> can you give us some examples? Sure. So when I was actually, um, I have a program called maybe baby, which mm-hmm. is women which who I heard are, is fabulous by the way. Oh, good. I, I heard, um, that's for women who are ambivalent about motherhood. And that was really based on my journey. And this is related. And I got so tired of people asking me when I was going to have a child at this point where I did not think that was in, in the cards for me. I did not want to do that. I was so tired from it. I decided to come up with what I call a cocktail line. And that was a preset <laughs> thing I could say in the moment 
that would allow me to be present and not have to scramble for something to say so that I could go into a situation confidently and know I had something I could go to. And my thing used to be, oh, I'd much rather be the rich eccentric aunt. (laughs) Just something that was for me, a little humor was what needed to be. So So it needs to be reflective of who you are, but it really stopped that conversation and set a really clear boundary that no, we're not going there. Now, if I wanted to go further into conversation, that was always my choice. But I work with people to script their own cocktail line so that it is reflective of their own truth. Mm-hmm. And um, they f- that is something they would feel comfortable saying. And this has saved so many people. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> In many different contexts, because suddenly you have confidence, you have you know, a lot of people are resistant to doing this because they want to be in the moment. And um, my idea was this will keep you in the moment because you're not suddenly scrambling or freaking out because you don't know what to say or how to handle the situation. You have a pre-scripted thing you can go to um, verbally to um, feel safe mm-hmm. and feel confident. And if you want to go beyond that, you absolutely can. So scripts are brilliant scripts are great yes yeah. i love them and you guys if you want any of the links that we're talking about here to maybe baby and randy's programs if you go to your kickasslife.com forward slash five two because this is episode 52 they'll all be there and i'm i'm actually really curious randy about how you got where you are today being good at boundaries so was there like a pivotal event that you had to look at your life and how boundaries boundary setting was needed or did you just come out of the womb being great at setting boundaries <laughs> You know what? I came out of the room that way. <laughs> but that was pictured that way. So my my parents, I credit them for a lot. My dad was raised by a Navy SEAL. And I wa- and my mom is um, has her own special magic <laughs> of being an incredible person and very diplomatic. I started off as a super diplomatic kid. I would, uh, when adults were having um, heated conversations or something, I could step in and figured it all out. But what I really learned from watching my parents, and I think in particular my dad, was he didn't have to say much mm-hmm. in terms of boundaries. And people got the got it. And and because of that, he could be a really nice guy. <laughs> he could be himself. And that was really a certain energy that he carried about himself. It was really clear. And if it wasn't clear what what was or wasn't okay, he could articulate that pretty quickly. And sometimes, you know, he may have gone to the asshole end of the mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. so sometimes we can't help it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all do. Um, but by and large, he was wildly effective at it. And so I saw that, and I think that mixed with a lot of diplomacy and really being able to feel a situation, it became fairly easy. And probably the other aspect is I moved around a lot because he was in the Navy. So I um, was constantly in new places having to let people know who I was. And the boundaries came, became a way, as opposed to, like I said in the beginning, keeping things out, but it came a way of really building my wor- world. Hmm. This is what, I was about, what I'm about. These are the type of people I want to be, too. So I don't have this awesome story about, oh, it was this and everything switched. But I know for a lot of people that is the case. And um, sometimes there is a pivotal moment when, when it all turns around, for sure. Yeah, when you draw the line in the sand and say, like, I can't. I can't take this anymore for sure. Yeah. And it's, you know, for you guys listening, it doesn't, I think I've, I've written about this before. Like it doesn't matter if you have a rock bottom story or, you know, like a a life changing event, but, um, it's, it, 
just is wherever. I just, I believe that everybody has their own kind of pain tolerance for suffering in their life and it looks different for everyone. And it might be like different areas of your life. Like you can tolerate a lot of pain in relationships or not, or your job or, or, you know, the relationship with your parents or, or whatever it is. And you're never wrong for where you are. You just are different. Love <laughs> that. Yeah, absolutely. Different. Absolutely. And so, so your path is going to look like your path and right. not like somebody else's. Exactly. And I just think that some people aren't ready. Like they're not ready to set that boundary with so-and-so. Like they have to go through a certain mm-hmm. amount of stuff before they get to that place. Yes. I, I think that's definitely the case for a lot of people. Yeah. And I, I'm curious too about... Because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, you do this work a lot with people and I'm guessing that the boundary setting, not, I, I guess not the boundary setting itself looks different, but sort of the, um, I don't, I'm not asking this very well and I'm having a hard time. Okay. So let me give you an example might be better. So sure. I make up that people that set or need to set boundaries, like with their parents, Mm-hmm. That looks vastly different than if they need to set boundaries at work. So given the example of parents, how much of it do you think is like, do the people really need to work on the kind of background family of origin stuff? Or do they even at all before they set the boundary? What do you think? I think you can start anywhere. Okay. In any aspect. And I do think that those, those will probably look a lot different and very different you know, depending on your history and what, and what your personal needs are. Um, one thing I often do just tangential to your question, but I think it's relevant. Um, I guess that was just an oxymoron there, but uh, (laughs) I didn't ask it very well. It made total sense in my mind. (laughs) Beauty and paradox. That's usually where the truth resides anyway. So, um, I often ask people to redefine what boundaries mean based from what they thought they meant prior to coming to the work. Mm -hmm. And, replace boundaries with a word that feels better. So sometimes that word is respect. Mm. And all of a sudden it's palatable. Um, respect is usually a good one, um, but something that of, of something of high value that's important to them. And once they switch that word, that really changes things because ultimately the boundary is a container for all those values, which I'll get to in just a second. But I don't think you have to necessarily start with family of origin stuff. And in fact, I think... <laughs> I, I actually have written a lot about um, wanting to figure out our own pathology before moving forward. And sometimes moving forward is how we figure out our pathology of why something is. Oh, what yeah, it that's is. totally my story. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you are a very, I believe you. Yep. Yep. That's and so sometimes it's so tempting to look backwards and figure it out. But I really think that any sort of personal development work can be a lot like a spider web or um, I, I studied I'm trying to say it's a kind of a mess. <laughs> like a beautiful mess. <laughs> <laughs> like a but beautiful if you pull mess. on one part of the spider web, <laughs> every aspect of it moves. Yes, I hear you. So it's, yeah, it's all connected. And so just like um, in body work, if there's one part of the body where the fascia is really bound up or there's a knot or something, if you work on that, everything else, even if it's in your shoulder, everything else, even in your toes, will be affected by that. So I think there's we sometimes trick ourselves in believing we have to start at the beginning <laughs> you can just start. And that is what um, changes things. I love that you said that. And I've actually, I don't even think I've ever mentioned that here on the podcast. And, and that is exactly what happened to me because um, 
And I think it's the case with a lot of people, too. It's like they're like, well, I'm going to start with therapy and then figure all that out. And then, you know, 20 years later, they're still in it and sort of like over identifying with everything in there. And I, that is, yeah. does not have to be the case. I, I've been through a lot of personal development work and will be for the rest of my life. And mm-hmm. I mean, even just recently, like I'm going through stuff and then I and then it it is like matching up to something that happened 20 years ago. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's why that's happening. Mm-hmm. OK, I need to, and, and now I'm such a junkie. Like I get excited. I'm like, oh, OK, OK, yes. <laughs> I'm excited to go talk to my therapist about this and like and work on this and process it. Yeah, it's cool stuff. Yeah. Well, you mentioned something about value. So what what um, what's the connection there? So. When I start talking to people about conceptualizing boundaries, because um, usually it just feels like, you know, can't see the forest from the trees. If you're, if you're feeling confused about this, it's wildly confusing. So I start off with, and you were talking about how metaphors are so great. We use a lot of metaphors. And the first one is boundaries are like a garden. Mm-hmm. So I have people in terms of beginning talking about a garden, um, picture themselves in the middle of a garden in that you have concentric circles going out from you. So maybe you have, you're in the middle of a six layer garden. Um, first of all, each layer is different. You have to tend to each layer and you get to decide what you want each layer to be and feel like. Cause again, if this is a container, you get to design that. So, on the outermost perimeter of the garden, I ask people to set their bottom line. And the bottom line is the thing where, it, you know, it's the literal line in the sand. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. just metaphor. Um, people who don't meet the requirement of your bottom line don't come into your garden. That's You might go to the garden gate to interact with them, but they don't come in. And then, so that's the, that's the, the largest perimeter. In the very middle, then, you have you. That's one layer. The second largest um, or the next circle out is um, maybe your most intimate circle. Mm-hmm. And then it, mm-hmm. it keeps going for there. Some people have three layers. Some people have 30. It just really depends on what you want. But I ask people then to, to figure out or list values or characteristics that are really important to them that really, you know, that their heart beats for. And for a lot of people, it's... Um, Respect is always a big one. Integrity, truth, mm-hmm. beauty. Um, I look, work with a lot of artists for whom beauty is really important. Um, one woman, I love this, she said femininity was of high value for her. So we thought what all these values are. Um, and you and I both, you did, we're both CTI kids. Mm-hmm. So we've done a lot of value work. CTI is the Coaches Training Institute for anybody that doesn't know what that is. It's, yeah. our, it's our coaching training alma mater. Yes, very good. Thank you. And so there's a lot of values work there, and that's why this is just so lovely to fill it in. So for each layer, I ask them for the, um, the value that's top most important to you. That goes on the inside around you. And then the next layer is that value. And then the next layer working out is your third value and so forth, however long, however deep you want to go. And then, again, the perimeter is the bottom line. So you live your life from the middle. Mm-hmm. People... So the people who can meet your bottom line, they get to come into the garden, okay? And they get to go into this outer layer. If they, let's say this outer layer is um, beauty. Mm-hmm. So if they bring beauty to your life, there's something in the relationship with them that brings beauty, um, however you want to frame this question, and usually from a multiple of ways, multiple types of look, uh, questions looking at it, they get to go in that later. They meet layer because they meet the condition, 
then mm. if they meet the condition at the next layer, they can come there. So it's not mean to keep people out, so to speak. It's just you work from the middle and go out to that layer to interact with them. And how you interact with them is based on what that layer is. So if that layer is um, integrity, it's probably an outer layer for a lot of people, but if it's an integrity piece, you know that you can ask, what would integrity do? Mm-hmm. If that becomes the basis for uh, your interaction and uh, what to do, how to say it, what to say. Um, if one of your values is truth, okay, so what would truth do? What would femininity do? Um, beauty, all those things. And so to me, that's how values then create the landscape for um, boundaries. I love and, that. And, yeah, thanks. And in that garden, you're constantly having to weed. Mm-hmm. Decide to change. Yeah, you keep change the bugs things. out. Yeah, if, <laughs> if there's a whole bunch, if there's a bullshit situation in your life, things did not go well. Great fertilizer. Right. So you know, it's a great metaphor. Um, I love that keeping the bugs out. Um, you might have some Save beneficial it. insects. <laughs> right. <laughs> the biodiversity there, but that can always change. And then going back to your example about parents versus work, for example, I've had times and people in my life where they needed their own separate garden huh. and so have a little plot off to the side like my sister there's a period of her life um i've talked a lot about this that i was so frustrated with how it was going and i was such an pro- overprotective big sister and i still wanted to help her but me sharing my frustration with her was not going to help her at mm-hmm. all <laughs> so i had to create a different garden a different framework for how i was going to be with her during that time so that i could ultimately fulfilled the value of wanting to help her and show up for her mm-hmm. yeah so i had to she got her own special garden for a while and hmm. that's i met her in that space and i often, love that yeah and often with tricky parent uh, parental issues particularly i find a lot of um people i work with have not all by any means but many have dealt with narcissistic parents mm-hmm. particularly moms and um sometimes as they're working on boundaries they have to have a special little plot <laughs> for their mom mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's absolutely fine i love that I've, I've never heard it explained that way and it's 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 so easy to understand and um thanks i made it up i'm glad <laughs> you're brilliant see i told you guys she was the expert of the experts <laughs> <laughs> well and it made me think of of a few things and um one of them is that well, of course, I was like sort of going through my own mind of the people that I have, you know, in my in my my perimeter, like, you know, right near me. And um, I think that the reason that they're there and I, I talk to my people all the time about this, like, who are the key players in your life? And I don't say it as eloquently as Randy did, does. But like my my favorite quote that I made up is if you surround yourself with assholes, you're in for a shitty life. And I think that like it's, it's like pretty obvious, you know, like if but I think that there are some people that we let into our garden where we let them get away with things and we make excuses for them and they're 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 screwing up our garden, you know, (laughs) they're not, they're not bringing any, they're not on, they're not allowing us to, I think, and this is also what I make up about your story too, is that, um, and I actually, I credit Amy Smith, my best friend, she says this about values and, and people in our lives is that it's not that they need to totally and completely be on board with your values, but they need to not make you wrong for them. That's perfect. They have to honor, they have to be able to respect Support it. that. Yeah. Like she yeah. gives, she gives a great example of one of her values is, excuse me, is adornment. Like she loves to, Ooh. um, beautiful, decorate herself with makeup and, um, jewelry and like 
the, the her style and everything like that. And her husband um, would tease her for it. Like when they were first together, it's like, do you really need so many pairs of shoes? And finally she came right. to him and said, this is who I am. And this is like one of my values that I, I love. And it's part of my creativity. And I don't need you to think it's awesome, <laughs> but I need you to not make me wrong for it. I love that. No wonder she's your best friend. I know. I swear that woman is like, she's taught me so much about just communication, you know, how to, because I'd be like, no, screw you. Don't talk to me like that. Yeah, that would be a pretty tough one. But I I agree with her 100%. That's um, a really beautiful way of of saying it. For me, it's, it's that same thing. You don't have to agree with it, but you need to be able to respect it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's actually old boundary in and of itself for me, for people. Yes. Well, and you know, for anyone listening, I think that if you've never done any values work, that's a great place to start even before you start thinking about where you and with whom you need to set boundaries with is like, what are the things that are most important to you? And if you have my book, it's chapter four, talk about values. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, I think that we just go through life. Like I didn't even know about values until I went into training with the coaches training Institute. I was like, what are, what are, what are these things? <laughs> well, it's also, also a word I think is really co-opted um, by politics and religion because they have their own meaning of that, their own definition and context for that. And the way we're often looking at it is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Not quite as loaded. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's good stuff. And it's really, you know, values can become your North star. Um, if you're not sure what to do in a situation, think about what you want in the situation. Is it kindness? Okay. Then what would kindness do? Mm-hmm. Use that as your path. Oh yeah. That is great too. I, I love talking about self-help, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> you should have a podcast. I should. So smart. <laughs> Thanks for the idea. Well, I, cause my top value is courage. And I think that um, I think it is for a lot of people, and I think they probably don't realize it because I think it's really hard to implement our our values and boundaries without courage. <laughs> so I often ask myself that. I mean, I just got faced recently with like having a hard conversation with my husband that was so important because like I was super attached to how he would um, receive it, what I needed to tell him, mm-hmm. and. Um, you can't control that. You know, I know that. And so I'm just like, right. you know, so what I do is I, I tell on myself is like, I tell my best friend, I'm like, I, I have to have this conversation with my husband and I, I don't want to. So because <laughs> I know yeah. she won't, you know, she won't let me off the hook. And, and it was courage. Like I had to call on courage and that was my North star. And I, I'm happy to report that the conversation went really well and he received it really well. But I, I, I love that thinking about your values as your North star. Yeah, and I, I, like, I really like that yours is courage because, um, not because of the etymology of the word, but it, it speaks to so much of who you are. I mean, cur in French being heart, mm-hmm. coming from the heart is yeah. not only courageous, it is the way of courage. So mm-hmm. it's, that's it's, pretty cool. Yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, and kind of switching gears is, sure. is uh, another topic that you talk about pretty recently on your blog was the notion of not being fearless. And this is a yeah. topic I've also been practicing and preaching about and that, um, cause I get asked sometimes, how did you get so fearless? And I'm like, right. I am not. And whoever told you that's my cat liar. <laughs> so I always tell them that I haven't gotten there and never will. But, um, my favorite quote that you said is you said, what a shame to not feel fear. It's such a beautiful barometer of ourselves, biology, psychology, and edges. I would never want to surrender one of my emotions and cut myself off from the fuller spectrum of knowing, understanding, and wisdom. So I would just love to hear, like, what do you use fear for? Mm, yeah. 
Just a fear, little tiny question I yeah, asked fear, you. Yeah, yeah, just a little, <laughs> fear, is, fear um, points me in the direction, it gives me information. Mm-hmm. It gives me a whole lot of information. Sometimes it's very intuitive, sometimes it's just information I need to get. Um, fear tells me what I, kind of what my subconscious is trying to look out for. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, I'll just make up crazy example right here so if i'm really afraid of or don't want to do uh, any public speaking or something i can look at why well my subconscious maybe it comes up even through self-sabotage is trying to prevent me from what from making an ass of myself or for um whatever something like that and so that lets me know that okay i can do what i need to do to not make an ass of myself prepare so that my fear can be quieted down and i can thank it um and do that you know and going back to my dad this is so much how I was raised, I can tell you, uh, Navy SEALs, they get scared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> they experience fear, but they use it as a tool. They use it as a barometer of the situation. They use it as um, information. And so that's what I try to do. And to me, that would be to be fearless would be, first of all, cutting off a part of who we are, right? Um, which I don't think serves at all. But it's one of your internal compasses. And the, the idea is to not let fear call all the shots, but look at it as an advisor on your board, mm-hmm. you know, part of your advisory board and see what it's trying to tell you. And then see if you can meet the conditions so it can chill out. Or is it just full of crap mm-hmm. at that particular time? But you then get to discern what that is as opposed to just letting it commandeer the steering wheel and taking over. I love that. And I was just thinking of that same metaphor of like being in the car. Like the the one that popped into my mind was like driving a bus, like a school bus. And, you know, school buses are notoriously rowdy. (laughs) And it's like you got fear back there and joy and anxiety and um, gratitude, like all these different feelings back there. And like every once in a while, like one of them like comes up to the front seat or like tries to cause a ruckus or like mess with the other ones. And, you know, it's just like, (laughs) what if you, I'm being such a coach right now. (laughs) What if you, as the bus driver, you know, turned around and said, like, hey, what do you have to say? Do you want to say that to the rest of the class? Or, well, I love know? that. That's really cool. But That's most great. people let fear, like, come up into the driver's seat, and then you go back there. Well, it's, yeah, it's so strong energetically that we somehow think it's bigger than this, whereas mm-hmm. it's just one of the kids on the bus. Um, yeah. And I love that. Are you passing notes? Oh, well, this is probably from our our childhoods before right. people were texting each other. We passed notes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes if you got caught with that, you'd have to read it. That's really funny, Andrea. <laughs> I really like that. But, but so call them out. Say, say, okay, so what's this about? Is What information can you ascertain from it? Is it relevant? And then move forward. Thank mm-hmm. it for its service. And, you know, it, it's just, it's like that, um, Maybe somebody at the Thanksgiving table that you really don't want to hear from, but actually <laughs> they're a completely opposite politics from you story. At the end, there is a nugget of wisdom. Right. Or you can yeah. like, yeah, you can get something out of it, even though you're not changing your mind to exactly. be on their side. <laughs> right. So if we just treat it as part of, um, part of one of the kids on the bus or part of our advisory board and you just don't suddenly make it president or, um, abdicate responsibility yeah. to it. You're great. 
Good. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love that. And I'm, I'm glad I um, asked you that question about fear because it's it's one of my actually it's one of my pet peeves. Like even now, I kind of get like a little bit of a physical reaction when I see yet yeah, somebody else talking about like I want to be fearless, and I'm like I don't. <laughs> so, well, and I'm what worries me is that it's becoming like the new perfectionism. You know, it's like oh, we don't want to be perfect, but we'll be fearless. And I'm like no, <laughs> that's the same thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that that's really true. I actually. I have to go back to my boundaries of compassion when I mm. that. Oh, yeah. They're in a different place in their journey. Yes. Well, I have, I have one more. I want to ask you one more question about boundaries. And sure. I'm just really curious, like, what is probably the most common boundary seeking kind of circumstance that you see in the work that you do that, that you help people uh, kind of figure out and, and place the boundary around? People who... Um, I have a quick answer for this because it's so prevalent. Um, boundaries on people who are asking things of other people and uh, just kind of assume that they will help. Oh, okay. So, oh, this person always brings the birthday cake. So just assuming they'll bring the birthday cake without <gasps> asking if they want to bring it. Or this person will, um, I never help this, uh, the, the client out in this situation. Um, but I'm going to keep asking things of them, asking things of them, asking things of them. And this person either feels like they can't say no, they don't know how to say no, they're so trained not to say no, or whatever. That, Or if they do, the other person suddenly has, if they do say no, the other person is like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, pushback really comes from somebody not knowing where they fit in your life anymore, or not knowing how things are working. And it's usually quite temporary. But then they feel like they screwed up because now this person's mad and they just get, you know, oh, it's just easier to keep going and um, doing something for this person that either does not serve you, um, does not serve your values, um, or it's just something you really just really don't want to do. That's probably the top thing. See, you guys, you're not alone. I bet there's people listening right now going, oh, my God, that's me. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty common. It's so really okay, common. so well, that's a great segue. So tell people where um, you know it's the kind of middle of May now. So where can people? I know you teach um, boundaries for kind people. Healthy boundaries for oh, kind. Thank people. you. Healthy boundaries for kind people. And tell us about it and when you're teaching it and how people can find you. Sure. Right now, I'm, we're in month five of a six month program. So we'll be starting again in the fall. Um, probably going to change the format a little bit, but it's at randybuckley.com which you kindly said you had the link to. So mm-hmm. thank you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an I. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and you know, the first time I did it, it was a six week program and it was, there's so much to it and it was beyond it went way beyond, of, you know, scripts and this is what you say and, and things to do. But we really did some deep work of looking at what boundaries meant to us and took a very slow non chiropractic type approach so that, um, it would be a different experience for people. Mm-hmm. Um, we go deep and then and people have said it absolutely changes their lives. I'll bet. It, it, it's, it's quite cool. And um, some relationships go away. Some, you know, particularly the narcissistic mothers, they never thought well, they could have a good relationship with suddenly change. Hmm. It's, yeah. So it's, um, you know, I, I really feel like if we don't honor our own boundaries, nobody else will either. Yep. It's uh, And so part of honoring your own boundaries is learning how to do that and what that means to you. Yeah, it goes back to the age-old personal development phrase of you can't change other people, you can only change yourself, and then watch what happens to the people around yes. you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. 
I am so grateful. And if it's again, it's yourkickasslife.com forward slash five two to get the links to um, maybe baby and healthy boundaries for kind people and over to, to Randy's website. And um, again, thank you, Randy. I hope this was fun for you talking about Super fun. Thank you. Talking about shit that matters. That's what I like to say. <laughs> That's the only thing I like to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you for being here and tuning in and I will see you next time for episode 53. And until then I will see you in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.